it's Mike Halford from the Halford and Bruff podcast. One, thanks for downloading. Two, thanks for listening. Three, why not leave a review while you listen to the podcast? And now, back to the show. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Sportsnet 650 studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Nephew Dom is back. Good morning, Nephew Dom. How are you now? Uh, A-Dog is back as well. Hello, A-Dog. Hello. And Basketball Ben, a.k.a. Intern Ben, is here as well. Just yell really loud into the microphone there, Ben. Eh, Good morning, everybody. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour one of the program, which is just underway, is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. We have a big show ahead here on a Wednesday on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to start at 630 with Sam Blum. Bloom? Blum? We should really find that out. Find that out, Andy. Find that out. Blum. Blum? Blum. Blum. Yeah. Blum. 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 Sam Blum is a uh, Angels beat writer with The Athletic. The Angels are apparently exploring the possibility of selling. Very big deal that hit the world of Major League Baseball yesterday. They should just give the team to Otani. There's like, there's your contract. Right. <laughs> that is going to be the team. That's kind of the, the biggest uh, offshoot of the potential sale is that the incoming owner yeah. will have this thing where he either gives Otani like the biggest, most lucrative contract in MLB history or trades him. Trades him. So we'll talk to Sam Blum about that at 630 from The Athletic. 730. Pablo Amarer, also of The Athletic, is going to join us. Soccer writer recently spoke to Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds about Welcome to Wrexham, which is their documentary series on their purchase and revival of Wrexham Football Club, and that debuts tonight on FX Canada and City TV+. Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can watch that tonight. Yes, you can. So I think it's at 7 o'clock our time, 10 o'clock Eastern, and it's gotten a lot of publicity, obviously, since the moment that they purchased the club mm-hmm. and one of the first things that they wanted to do was this I, I, I think it's a multi-part documentary series on meeting like the, the introduction part of it right like being voted by because it's, it's a community they bought this team. team for content did they not yeah well, I mean, partly it's because they're rich guys and they can do this sort of thing that's but... what I want to ask Pablo about because the response that I've seen is you know it's it's a heartwarming some are trying to say they're trying to do like a real life Ted Lasso vibe where the Americans come and everything but um, some people have met with this kind of cynically. Like, right. are these guys just using this as a PR wing mm-hmm. for their own personal brands? Is this an actual investment? Is it a financial investment? What is it? Can it can it be both? I don't know. That's a good question. So yeah. we'll talk to Pablo Mar from The Athletic about that at 7.30, 8 o'clock. Dave Dufour, our good buddy, uh, NBA Athletic Vertical podcaster with The Athletic. We will discuss the KD situation. I didn't realize that basketball Ben was going to be here as well. So, Ben, when we do this in the intro, uh, we'll talk to you about it as well. But the KD situation in Brooklyn resolved with a question mark. I Ron Bergen did that, but that was intentional. Is anyone happy about this? <sighs> I guess the Nets are. You know who probably is going into training camp with the most amount of dread? Steve Nash. I'm going to say Steve Nash. Yeah, but also, if they had traded KD and... Kyrie, then Steve Nash would be probably coaching a not very talented team, right? No, but at least that team might not hate him. True. Yep, yeah, yep, that's like yep. a big that's a big uh-huh. plus for a coach. That, yep, that's so that's a good point. Working in reverse, eight o'clock. Dave Dufour, seven thirty. Pablo Mar, six thirty. Sam Blum. Uh, in the world of sports today, the Jays continue their series in Boston after winning the opener last night. Uh, 
Champions League does be has already begun, but this is usually the stage where like the qualifiers from Moldova and Liechtenstein try and play their way into the big tournament. Yeah. However, there's a huge match today. PSV, the one of the biggest clubs from the Netherlands, is taking on one of the giants of Scottish football, Rangers, in a big match, which is surprising at this stage of the competition. So what you're saying is when you were looking for things uh, sports-wise... Jumped off the page. ...going on today, there's not very much. There's two things, and one of them is a Champions League qualifier between PSV Eindhoven and Rangers. Gotcha. That's the program. That's the day. That's the show. Uh, Dom, Ben, Andy, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? I'm going to take the reins here, and I'm going to start with the Little League World Series, which ended for Canada last night. Little Mountain Baseball, who got off to such a tremendous start at this tournament, bowed out after their second consecutive loss. It's, of course, was a double elimination tournament. Uh, 4-2 to a team from Curacao. Yesterday, we spoke with the president of Little Mountain Baseball, David St. James, live from Williamsport, and he said that they were anticipating going up against the kid that threw 78 miles an hour. Uh, that kid actually, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't say the name, but I'm putting the pieces together. That was the one that came in and closed down the game while Little Mountain was making a furious comeback in right. the last inning, in the sixth inning. They were down 4 nothing. They got it to 4-2. But then the aforementioned seventy-eight mile an hour throwing Kurosawian, which is the right term, which is, shut it down, which is um, a lot harder to hit considering that little league pitches from like I don't know, feels like twenty feet away. The major league baseball equivalent, according to the pitch cast in the broadcast, was one hundred and two miles an hour. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's what it worked out to being at the major league level. Well, good for the kids from Little Mountain because they went down there and they actually finished with a pretty good record when you consider uh, the history of Canadian teams going down there. They won two games. They upset one of the tournament uh, pre-tournament favorites in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came up against a really good Mexico team and, as you mentioned, uh, lost a close one to Curacao. So good for them. Uh, they made us proud going down there from Little Mountain. Um, I hope they had a great experience. Yeah. Uh, let's stick with baseball. We'll fire through some of this stuff real quick. Uh, Blue Jays, really pivotal series. We talked to Dan Schulman earlier in the week, and he's talking about how this Jays-Red Sox series was a huge one for wildcard standings, ALE standings, and might be the death knell. For Boston, who was barely hanging on to the wild card chase, really on the outskirts of it anyway. Familiar name from Boston, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, doubled scored a run in the eighth inning. Jays win 9-3. Bradley Jr., of course, who came aboard just a little while ago. A very popular player in Boston. He got an ovation. Tip of the cap. 2018 ALCS MVP. So the Jays win again. Stripling. Ross Stripling, another good start. Schneider talking about how their starting pitching has been so good lately, and it's allowed them to put up some really good results. So we'll fly for the out one real quick. 9-3 win for the Jays yesterday. I, you got anything there? I'm just looking at you. I'm now, looking at the standings of the wild card race, and the Jays and the Mariners, who also won, mm-hmm. uh, are tied. They're two and a half games up on the Baltimore Orioles. So a little bit of room there between the wildcard teams and the next team. Uh, the Twins have dropped back a little bit. They've lost four in a row. No longer such a threat. Um, it's looking good for the Jays and the Mariners. You know, the the, the Jays had that rough stretch, um, but they're playing better now. Um, 
the Yankees have started to turn around. They just swept the Mets. Mm-hmm. So your dream of the Jays catching the Yankees, Once which there. was kind of ridiculous, is probably not going to happen. Why do you not let me dare to dream? Uh, dream realistic stuff. <laughs> They're called dreams. Damn it. Uh, I want to talk about the Carolina contract to Paul Stastny. Odd timing, because yesterday we were kind of talking about Carolina in that group of teams that have pressure to take the next step in terms of results and victories and make a deeper run, try and get something done this year. We lumped them in with the Torontos and the Vegases and Washington and some other teams that were either holding on or trying to go. So Carolina adds Paul Stastny on a one-year, $1.5 million deal yesterday. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one, if only because I don't necessarily care too much about what he's going to add to Carolina. It's a pretty standard depth signing. He's going to push to be a 3C. Maybe he bumps Kokiniemi down to a 4C. He had, he's got a long history of playing with Pacioretty. They're good buddies. Pacioretty's out injured right now, too, so that adds another offensive piece up front. It's interesting on two fronts. One, we talked about how Carolina always seems to leave itself in a financial position where they're not pressed right up against the cap or they don't have dead money or bad contracts, and they're allowed to be able to make these kinds of moves. So in an offseason where there's been not a lot of movement, quite honestly, it's been a pretty dull offseason altogether. Except for Calgary. Except for Calgary. Uh, they've been able to add Max Pacioretty, Brent Burns, and Paul Stastny in one offseason. Now, Pacioretty's not going to play for a little while. Yeah, that's correct. Because he's got, uh, was it Achilles? Achilles surgery. Yep. Uh, so he's going to be back, hopefully, for them in the second half of the season. But, yeah, they've added these guys for cheap acquisition costs, certainly, and also uh, when it comes to Stastny, a cheap salary because they have the wiggle room. Yeah. Big expectations for Carolina this season. They better do something. They're, they're, they're in the same category for me as the Florida Panthers in that you know they've got a good core. Mm-hmm. It's still relatively young. I know they're adding some old pieces, but the actual core of each team is still relatively young. And yet there there must be an impatience there from the fan bases that they need to break through. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the Hurricanes, I suppose, have made some runs to the conference finals, but they need to get to the Stanley Cup final. The Panthers, you know, not everyone was happy that they won a series, but then they were embarrassed, frankly, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And they need to break through. They need to do something. Those two teams, to me, are going to be interesting mm-hmm. wa- going in. Um, still some interesting free agents. Right. That was there. the other thing that kind of came from this. Because it was the Paul Stastny signing in the middle of, or sorry, the end of August for $1.5 million. And you're thinking, okay, well, Stastny's at the end of his rope. He still had close to 50 points in 71 games last year. Like a pretty productive guy. Did he really? Yeah. It was, it was not a bad year at all. I mean, he still can play. He's no longer the guy that was the high, highly touted prospect way back in the day in Colorado and St. Louis, but the guy can play. And then you kind of look, I mean, for example, another name on that list that you were mentioning was Phil Kessel, who also had 50 plus points in 80 games. And he's just sitting there looking for a gig. I mean, if we're talking about we're at the stage of the offseason where you can get good, high quality veteran presences that are still productive for a million and a half you kind of have to start to wonder about it. The one that I think a lot of people, the name that jumps out the most, all due respect to Kessel, is P.K. Subban, right? Because of the profile, because of the personality, because of what he's done in the past. Because he's been playing in the Eastern Conference for a while, and we don't see much of New Jersey, and the Devils haven't really been in the playoff mix or anything like that, 
I don't know how badly his game has fallen off, but I think it's fallen off really badly. Yeah, I think part of it is the physical name. I mean, he played a physical brand, right? He's only 33. I know. He's 33. What happened to him? I think the, the what made him, and I, I think, you know, I know he won Norris trophies, but I we always say this too. The, the best hockey you and I, I can speak on your behalf, ever saw him play was in that run that Nashville made to the Stanley Cup final yeah. and in the Stanley Cup final because he was matched up with Crosby a lot and he was playing a ton. but being, Hard minutes. Yeah, yeah. Hard, very hard minutes, right? Yeah. And I do wonder if his, his real effectiveness, like all due respect to his ability to spin on like a top and put up some numbers yeah. offensively, I think his real effectiveness was when he was able to play really hard minutes and be a physical presence as well. And that takes its toll physically. I, I guess. I guess it takes its toll physically, but, or it, it just it, could but be does the, it just ruin your body? Like he, Or he could just be one of those guys where they don't age well. Yeah. Love, we've seen it time and time again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's partly why you're so terrified of the, no, the, the yeah. guys falling off the cliff when they're 30 through no fault of their own. They either just lose the legs a little bit or lose something that made them special, and it just becomes a bit of a physical impediment, I would say. Yeah, Tyler Mott is still out there. See, that one's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I, because, I, you know, I feel like he's never played on a huge contract, so it would be somewhere that you almost, like, pull him out of a drawer. You're like, I have the Tyler Mott special right here for you, Tyler Mott. Like, let's give him a one-year deal and get and go. Yeah, but he wanted so much more. And Not I, so much more, but he just wanted more. He thought he played really well in Vancouver, and he did, and then he went to New York, and he played well when he was healthy for them. Rangers fans loved him yeah, and the by thing all with accounts. The, well, the and, thing with the Rangers was he, he did a really good job in the playoffs. Like, his career up to, the, yeah. up to that point hadn't really been laden with good playoff performance. But I think teams are starting to learn you don't give those guys – three-year, $6 million contracts. Right. And that's kind of, you also mentioned, or, like, hey, look, Antoine Roussel's available. Like, that's, you know. Oh, it's pretty JV. funny, actually. Yeah. If, you, if you go to Cap Friendly, um, because of their cap hits, some of the, like, <laughs> Louis Erickson, based on his cap hit, his expiring cap hit, the number three player in free agency behind P.K. Subban and Phil Kessel, Jay Beagle, number nine, and Antoine Roussel, number nine, with uh, or tied for number nine, I suppose, uh, with a $3 million cap hit. Will any of those guys be in the NHL next season? That, I mean, it doesn't look good, does yeah, it? I, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if it they could, are, because Erickson yeah. has completely lost it. Yeah. Uh, Jay Beagle is 36 now, um, not, a, not an effective player anymore. And Antoine Roussel, uh, who's still only 32, I think injuries just caught up with him. You know, he was he was never the same after they had that injury in Vancouver. And it's kind of one of those things where you're like, you're you're not good enough to be affected by injuries. Yeah. Right? Like you're just you can't you can't if you can't keep up in this league, and I would say Erickson can't keep up in the league anymore. Roussel can't keep up in the league anymore. I don't know about Beagle. He was actually always a pretty good skater. Um for and especially as a guy who played that role that he played, um, but I don't know, he was he was never you know he didn't have a ton of talent. Well, I mean, there, there's been a dearth of these signings, the ones that we're talking about, right? The the veteran guys that are familiar names that have played somewhere between six and ten years in the NHL. And, but you go to the, the other thing I think is going to hurt these guys, like the ones you're talking about, Beagle and Roussel and Erickson, is that they're kind of at the bottom of a list. Of still quality, I would you know maybe some people will argue with the term quality, but guys that can play, 
Like you, you've got to look at it, and it's like, yeah, would 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 you entertain that over maybe bringing in Phil Kessel or Evan Rodriguez? He's another forty yeah. point guy. Sonny Milano. Sonny Milano is another one. Sam Gagne had a really productive year last year in Detroit, and he's kind of sitting out there as well. Tyler Ennis is another guy. Alex Chason, who kind of revived his career here in Vancouver, they're all sitting out there waiting for gigs. And, you know, we talked about the Canucks lack of movement and it being a very slow, sort of patient, methodical start. We started asking and looking around the NHL and other markets. We talked to Kevin Kurz about this from the Islanders yesterday. It's a similar situation. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that teams don't have the money to spend. There's a lot of teams that are operating over the cap right now. And there's a lot of teams that are saying, well, yeah, we could probably give Evan Rodriguez a deal, but maybe why don't we wait and see what shakes loose closer to training camp? Or maybe we just bring him in on a PTO and see what happens Were there. Were there many big buyouts this offseason? No, that's been quiet. Like Brett Connolly got bought yeah, out. Nothing nothing massive, right? Oscar Lindblom. Yeah. I guess but, the Flyers did a <laughs> God, we're bad. Yeah, and they, well, they had to use that to go out and sign the guys that they signed, right? But, Johnny Gaudreau, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then they didn't get Johnny Gaudreau. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting because, again, it's 618 on a Wednesday, and like Paul Stastny makes the top news headlines because, in part, you know, he's, he's a name. Yeah. But also, there's just such a lack of stuff going on around the NHL. You kind of wonder, like, Oh, do we use the Stastny thing as a jumping off point to maybe we'll start to see some other deals? Or God, hopefully we see some other deals because it's been a slow summer in terms of NHL content. Karn texts in to let us know that Alex Chason has signed overseas. Come on, guys. Hashtag. How did you not only. know that? Come on. Yeah. What, be professionals over here. Wasn't, I, I imagine. Chason? Do, uh, Dollywall was on that one. Yeah. He, he went overseas to talk to him. Yeah. He's there right now. You talked to his agent. Yeah. Just went through the entire negotiations. Is like they offered us this much salary and a place to stay. Where did Chase on sign? Uh, looks like Switzerland. Okay, good for him. That'd be fun. They didn't update his Wikipedia yet, which, did is, you, tough, which is a tough turn. Did for you him. guys also mention Ryan Reynolds is American? Somebody said no. I was American? talking. Yeah, that was he's weird. From here, of course. I know. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> the he's a fact, local boy. The fact that uh, anyone would write in thinking that I thought Ryan Reynolds was American. I mean, we're from Vancouver. It's, it's like American money, though, right? We're, no, no, no. We're. Ta- I was talking about the Ted Lasso vibes. Oh yeah. With the American influence in European or, or like right. UK football. Rob McElhinney is American, but the idea is you bring a North American like, we don't know anything about soccer. We call right. it soccer. And then right. the Ted Lasso dynamic, I think, was The part obnoxious of- part is American. Yes, there yeah. you go. Right? That's like what the, we were looking for. Yeah. Could I just point out to the folks that aren't watching the stream that Halford is wearing an Expo 86 hat and it rocks? Yeah, oh, it's a good you. hat. It is yeah. a really good hat. I'm not going to lie. I'm not just sucking up. It thank is you. a really Well, I'm kind of sucking up. It a is a bit. really good hat. Yeah, thanks. It's, 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 um, I kind of hate you, actually. There, there's a gentleman Take it off. that no. runs... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Remove that hat. Making me too jealous. <laughs> there, there, there's a gentleman that runs a company locally called 9 O'Clock Gun yeah. Hat Company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I've got about three or four of his hats. Yeah, I have one of those, too. They're great. Yeah, this, and this was a limited edition run. The moment that I saw it, I was like, I need that hat. Do you remember x I mean, I was two, so I don't... I have, There's pictures of me there that my parents took. I don't remember it at all, of um, course. Th- it's funny. You know how... How old were you? Uh, I would have been seven. Yeah. So you know how some people say, like, you have those weird... Ruff was 20 or so? He was 30, 31. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember smoking out back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was encouraged. Uh, it was yeah. a different time. He couldn't get a UFA deal anywhere. He was just wandering around the beer garden at Expo 86. Um, 
You know how some people say, like, your memories are often formed by, like, the fuzzy, hazy ones you kind of have. But then, oh, what totally. people, but then what people have told you. Totally. And you, you think an amalgamation of them. So I, I, I think I remember it. Mm-hmm. But I also think I remember it from, like, my mom and dad telling me how much fun I had on the roller coaster. Right. And my Expo Ernie backpack. What was the roller coaster called? I don't remember. See, you don't. You no. would have remembered. It was well, called the Scream Machine. Was it? Okay, yeah. see, so wow. this is yeah. what I'm talking about, is I probably would have remembered mm-hmm. that specific fact. Not to go so ahead. I guess I don't remember. It, it, had, it had a loop, and I remember going like, I don't know if I'm ready for this. <laughs> I was 10, but I did go on it. It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah? It was It's a crazy. Lot I'm starting to go on a tangent, but it's crazy to look at pictures of Vancouver before and after Expo 86 because of how much the city if you look completely downtown, changed. Yeah. Half of the downtown isn't there then. No. And it's almost right? like looking at Vancouver. I mean, it's there. It's just not yeah, in, in the not form developed. that it is now. It's yeah. like looking at Vancouver before and after 2010 because so much changed after the Olympics. It's it's like that with Expo 86 as well. You look at the two way, shots. The, way more than 86. Like, way, like, way more. Or, sorry, sorry. Way more than 2010. 86 was the bigger of the two oh, in terms of development. For sure. Like, if, the SkyTrain was the Expo. Expo 86 invention, was it not? Didn't the SkyTrain yeah, come out? It wasn't an invention necessarily, well. <laughs> but it was... Uh, Folks, yeah, we're going to build this thing called a train. Yes. <laughs> huh? But we're going to put it in it's the quote-unquote sky. Lyle Landley sold them. Everyone here was a little disappointed. Like, I thought we'd get a monorail. Yeah. North Seattle's got a monorail. Why can't we get yeah. a monorail? North Haverbrook has one. <laughs> put them on the map. But if you look at, yeah, if you look at the aerial pictures of... Um, Vancouver at that time, BC Place was there. It was very new. Mm-hmm. It was just a few years old, but it was just by itself, you know, yeah. uh, in a bunch of industrial land, really. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty amazing what's happened to this city in the last 30 years. Now, Expo 86, this is when we bring in intern Ben, basketball Ben. Were you alive in 1986? No way, no intern chance ben? he was. No, I don't know how old he intern is. Intern Ben isn't even paying attention to us yeah. right now. <laughs> no chance. You're being a real millennial be, right now. He's supposed to be studying <laughs> how to operate. Yeah. Are you here? Are you present? We're, Dom, let him jump on the mic real quick. He can't hear because he doesn't have headphones. Oh, that's of course. Okay, yeah. so relay the conversation to Ben, him. were you, uh, what was the question? Ben, were you alive in 1986? Were you alive in 1986? No. I was born in 98. You were born, born in 98? He was born like, in 98. Mike, oh, my God. What do you, it's 2022. <laughs> yeah. Do the math, man. What do you think? He's uh, like 38 yeah. It would as be tough intern? for the intern to be close to 40. That's fair. Um, Sometimes I wonder about Halford's you, concept of time Honestly. is- uh, I didn't know. Just like, <laughs> I didn't know how old he what, was. What? What? what yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> and now I do. He was not born in 1986. Okay, jump on the were mic. Were you alive? I just- Jump on the microphone because I want to ask you about the Kevin uh, Durant stuff. In uh, is is he good to go? Okay. So yesterday when we were on the show, uh, news broke with the Brooklyn Nets putting out a statement. And again, it was- hey, intern Ben, were you alive were you when alive Larry yesterday? Bird was born? <laughs> were you alive yesterday when all this happened? You were. Right? I was. Okay, you weren't not just born. Um, we the, the news came on the show yesterday in that very oddly worded release from the Nets that Joe Sy and Sean Marks. And Kevin Durant and Steve Nash and Kevin Durant's agent all met and agreed to continue the partnership in Brooklyn. So we kind of had a jumping off on this and we're like, does this settle it, I guess? And then I also brought up the fact that I I was skeptical because this is an NBA where James Harden openly went out and played like ass to get a trade. And this dates all the way back. It was a bit fat. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Then we asked. Could Kevin Durant put on weight? But that was a secondary question. <laughs> How do you see this playing out? Because, I, again, right. I'm highly skeptical that they're all just going to come back and be like, oh, everything's great. It, it seems like it was an, a, a complete stare-off. And and the Nets won. Yeah. And they, they didn't give in to a superstar, which so a big win for the NBA mm-hmm. uh, as a league um, because Kevin Durant just kind of had a temper tantrum and was like, 
I want to leave. We got swept. I don't like Steve Nash. Right. I don't know what's going on. Get me out of here. I want to go down to South Beach. Yeah. Get me to Miami. Yeah, yeah, okay. And they said, relax. Let cooler heads prevail a little bit. And so I think the Nets won this for sure. sure. But the difference is, is he has four years left on his contract. He didn't have any leverage of being like, well, next year I'm going to leave. Right, right, right. If if he had one year left, I think they would have been like, all right, we, we can't lose him for nothing. And and the precedent that was set with the Rudy Gobert trade earlier this summer, mm-hmm. you know, four first-round picks plus players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The huge return. So yeah, Brooklyn's right. saying, okay, we're, we got to ask for six first-round picks and, and an all-star, and no one's going to give that. And so I think they went to Durant and said, we're not going to go for anything less than what Gobert got, obviously, and we're not just going to give you away. Mm-hmm. And so that deal never came to fruition. And I think the Nets said, you got four years left. You signed the contract. You wanted the extension. You're here to stay. You wanted Kyrie, or Kyrie wanted you. Kyrie's here. Harden's left. This is happening. Yeah. Intern Ben, uh, Ben Simmons, what do you expect from him? Such a wild card, bro. Like, I... I don't know. He could play 15 games. He could play 70. Yeah. He could be an all-star and first-team all-defense, and he could be the biggest waste of money on a team. Like, I, I have no idea what to expect. Because it would be awesome in a way if the Nets actually pulled it together. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Remember, you, they were the betting favorites last season. And I think if, yeah. if, if Ben Simmons decides to play and Kyrie and Kevin Durant get their act together, on paper— on team. paper, right. They're probably the best team in the NBA. On paper, yeah. they're great. In actuality, they're a disaster. I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate, like, I feel terrible for Steve Nash. Oh, I do too. Like, I, I think this is all signs point to him just getting fired eventually. But after game four against Boston. He might deserve it. Durant yeah. was, like, backing him up. He's like, oh, I stand by this guy and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah. and then he was like, wow. Oh. Then he read some stuff on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, then he, read, then he got on social <laughs> media. He's like, him. hmm, maybe not. Okay, uh, we're up against it for time. We got to go to break. When we come back, uh, one story that we didn't touch on in the intro, but we'll get to next is the potential sale of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, We'll talk to Sam Blum from The Athletic about what is a big, big story and really shook up Major League Baseball yesterday. That's all coming up next. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Well, sir, there's nothing on earth like a genuine, bona fide, electrified six-car monorail. what I say? Monorail. on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Three dealerships to serve you better. North Shore Acura, Acura of Langley and Burrard Acura on Terminal Avenue. This is the only song Dom was listening to when he was on vacation. So Dom, in the break, said, and I quote, I'm going to be playing a lot of electronica today because Dom recently returned from the home of electronica, Central Europe, where you listen to this on loop for what two weeks? Yeah, yes. part, part of them still there. I think <laughs> my heart, heart is there. <laughs> your heart is in Budapest. <laughs> How was your trip? Was it a good time? I was. It's good. I got engaged actually. Oh, oh congratulations! congratulations. Uh, Barry in the lead. That's okay. Damn, you should have told us earlier. Oh, it's by fine. the way, we, yeah, <laughs> we were talking about Expo eighty six in the intro. 
That happened, that, that happened a long time ago. This is news. That's Dom, awesome, relevant. Dom. Congratulations, Dom Stramati. But back to Expo 86. Yeah, so the, the <laughs> screen machine. How did, you, how did you convince her? Uh, what, what, was the, what was the selling point? A very how did you large get married? <laughs> Wait, you said yes? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, let's focus here. Sam's waiting on hold and is like, what the hell is going on here? Hour one of Halford and Bruff, we're halfway through it, is brought to you by Avenue Machinery. Build your company to win with Kubota from Avenue Machinery. I mentioned Sam. That is Sam Blum. He is the Angels beat writer for The Athletic. He joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Sam. How are you? Good, and congrats. Uh, I'm not sure who just got engaged, but congrats. It's Dom, our one of the three producers that we have here. And yes, congrats again, Dom. Belated congrats. Sam, we wanted to get you on the show because there was some big news in Major League Baseball yesterday pertaining to the Los Angeles Angels and their owner, uh, Artie Moreno. Now, for those of our listeners that might not be all that familiar with the situation at hand here, can you kind of give a little bit of a backstory how Moreno came on board as owner nearly two decades ago, what his legacy has sort of been, and how it got to this point where he's ready to sell the team? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a long story. I mean, obviously, he came on after the team won the World Series. Uh, you know, at, they won in 2002, 20 years ago. Bought the team for pretty, you know, cheap price of 182.5 million, and is now worth about, you know, two. Depending on who you might ask, a little over 2.2 to 2.5 billion dollars. So, you know, I might play into part of why he's willing to sell the team now. You know, he's 76 years old. Um, he's uh, his family reportedly is not interested in, in kind of his children are interested in taking over. So, you know, they're they're um, they're looking to sell. I think it, it it was a little surprising to me to be honest with you, but I also think it makes some sense when you maybe look at why this is happening now, and you look at some of the circumstances kind of surrounding where the team is. Obviously, you know they lose pretty much every year. Uh, you know this year is no different. It might, might end up being their worst season ever. Uh, kind of they need, to, they need to go at least 15 and 24 to avoid that uh, distinction. But, you know, I mean, it's beyond just the losing, you know, the dealing with lawsuits right now, uh, multiple lawsuits from the family of Tyler Skaggs, the, the pitcher that died, um, you know, from, a, from fentanyl uh, in 2019 right. uh, due to, you know, team employee kind of supplying it um, and, they're also they had a stadium deal in place that that collapsed in in May uh, with an FBI probe into Anaheim politics. So you know there's a lot of things that are kind of happening now that maybe if, if you're already in, and you know he doesn't talk he hasn't talked in almost three years. But but if you kind of look at the situation, it might just kind of be the time uh, for him to 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 leave. Uh, and I, I don't think Angels fans are going to shed too many tears over it. You know he he has spent on the roster, but I do think that that's a little empty when you look at how he spent. And you know, obviously, the losing is um, is pretty damning. Uh, them losing with certain players that they have on their roster is even more damning. And it's uh, you know, it's just been a frustrating time for Angels fans. And and I think this, you know, they they lost their fourth game in a row. They scored like five runs on this uh, or six games, six runs on this five game road trip. But I think yesterday was was not a bad day for Angels fans. How quickly could this sale go through? Because there's a lot on the plate for there would be a lot on the plate for any new Angels owner. Yeah, and it's and that's hard to predict. You know, I think you know talking to people, I think you know you look at a timeline of about uh, you know a year. You know, I think people would hope would be a little less, but it could even be longer than that. And I think you know you look at the median time, probably. I mean, these things usually take about eight months to a year, maybe. And and it could be complicated by the fact that the Nationals are also for sale right now, and you know potential buyers might be you know mixed in that process, and you know might not be involved in this process until that process. And so there's there are complicating factors on, on that front. Um, 
you know, one thing I do think is really intriguing, obviously, is the fact that the Angels might be worth more than any major league team has been worth at a, at a sale. I mean, there there are some of those mitigating factors, like I just described a moment ago. But you know, there's still a Southern California baseball team with the potential, you know, to really compete. Uh, that that can, you know, they could purchase this land um, at some point, you know. And, and there's also flexibility to to move within Southern California wherever a new owner would want them to. Either I'd be surprised if they were to leave, you know, the location that they're in right now. Um, but I think that they're going to be very valuable franchise, and I think that it's you know could rival what the Mets were purchased for 2.4 billion to uh, to Steve Cohen. So it's, it, it'll be a really interesting time. Um, but yeah, I think you know it's it's tough to predict timing, uh, tough to predict who might be interested. Um, but I do think you know you look at a timeline of maybe about a year or a year plus, uh, best case scenario probably, you know before the start of next season. But you know who knows? It's it's really tough to say. Can you describe the L.A. market in terms of geography, like where the Angels are, where the Dodgers are, and mm-hmm. why there's that significance and why there's that divide between Dodgers and Angels fans? Well, this is the interest. I mean, and this goes right to Artie, the heart of Artie. I mean, you know, the Angels are called the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, and they've had a couple names, right? They've been the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They've been before Artie, and I think maybe the first couple of years they were the Anaheim Angels. Um but there's the Los Angeles Angels now, and, and I think that that is really significant. And I don't know if a new owner would keep that title because, you know, if you look at the way Artie's operated always, it's been about having the name brand. I mean, it's yeah. been about having the top, you know, free agent, even if that means sacrificing minor league development, if, if that means sacrificing, uh, you know, building a, a strong roster behind those stars like Mike Trapp or Anthony Rendon or, you know, whoever it's been in the past, like Josh Hamilton, Vernon Wells, whoever. Um, and so, yes, when you ask about the Angels and, and being called, you know, or, or kind of the market, the Angels do not play in Los Angeles. They really don't even play that close to Los Angeles. Yeah. I mean, it's, depending on the traffic, it could be quite a while before you get to Los Angeles from Anaheim. I've, you know, having <laughs> to go up there sometimes, it's really not all that fun. Um, you know, and more importantly, people that live in Los Angeles, you know, and it's not 100%, but it's very typically people that live in Los Angeles are Dodgers fans and people that live in Orange County you know, for the most part are Angels fans. And, um, you know, I think if you ask most Angels fans, they would prefer the team not be called the Los Angeles Angels. But it is, from my perspective, always been sort of a marketing ploy, um, a way to kind of brand this team as being a Los Angeles team, even though that's not really accurate. And, um, yeah, I think it kind of goes to the heart of how Artie thinks, how he prioritizes things. And, and I'd be curious to see if, if uh, you know, they, they keep that title for whoever the next owner is. But uh, yeah, they're they're not all that close. The fan bases are really not all that inter you know interchangeable. I think it's a rivalry for sure. But you know, obviously the Dodgers completely dominate that. In particular, this year was you know they almost like you know hit the Angels like two out of the four games. Uh, so yeah, it's not really uh, there's not a lot of overlap. We're speaking to Sam Blum, Los Angeles Angels beat reporter for the Athletic here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, the the Shohei Otani factor here. Uh, it's mm-hmm. you know when we talk about team sales like when they're going to sell a franchise you talk about the valuations and you go to the arena and market share and television and all those things it's after a while you get down to the active roster because quite frankly it's not as important as those things but I feel like this is different because Otani's such a global star and he's got such appeal beyond North America how big a factor is his future in the sale of this franchise yeah and it's, it's a really good question and I think that that was something I thought about a lot yesterday in terms of 
you know, obviously they decided to keep him at the deadline. And I thought at the time that it was a little, you know, I mean, it makes sense, right? I mean, it, it goes to, like I, like I just said, it goes to the way Artie operates, wanting to keep a star player, um, you know, and obviously, the, you know, I think that it was a little delusional to think that maybe they're going to be a really contending team next year. And, and beyond that, he's a free agent. Um, the way everything played out this year, I don't think there's a, there's any real reason to think that this team is going to be significantly different next year. <clears throat> but you're right that, I, you know, and, and you look at that and then the context of this announcement just three weeks after the trade deadline. Uh, and, I, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough to know. It's tough to know how long Artie's been planning this. <clears throat> it's tough to know who, if Perry knew about it. You know, he, he uh, declined comments, reporters. So it's, it's, um, it'll be really interesting. And I do agree with you that, that he kind of transcends maybe the active roster is not something that's super significant in a deal or a sale. But depending on how long this thing takes, I don't know if, if that was a factor in why the Angels kept Otani. And I, I don't know if it may be uh, already thought, hey, like, you know, I'm, I might be the owner only one more season after this and maybe I'll try to actually win next year you know, as he goes through the process of trying to sell the team, it could be any number of things. It could just be that, you know, he, they couldn't bear to trade him, uh, you know, because of, of just how valuable he is. Uh, so there's a lot of potential factors, but I do think that, that having someone like Shohei, and I do think it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, that it seemed pretty bleak, the concept of actually keeping him uh, beyond next season. A new owner can mean a lot of different things. It can mean, Show has a new renewed confidence in the direction of the franchise. It could mean a new owner is willing to pay whatever it takes to keep him, um, even if that means going over the luxury tax, which is something that Artie never wanted to do and really seemed like would never, ever happen. So there's a lot of interesting factors as relates to Antani, and I think that, that the news yesterday can you know keep a little bit of optimism open that Otani might stay with the Angels long term, but you know there's still so many questions to, to be answered before that even um, you know is broached. You know, I, I've got to ask you this before we let you go, because Jason and I have talked about this in relation to the Angels before, and it's, it's just, I mean, it's it's become a running punchline and a national joke that they frittered away having like iconic all-time generational talents now in Otani and Mike Trout repeatedly. But this year, they're not even just wasting an opportunity to get to the playoffs with these guys. You mentioned it; they're having one of the worst seasons in franchise history. How sour is the fan base right now? Uh, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, I, I was go back to this. Uh, I wrote a whole story earlier this year about the tungsten armor Doyle joke, which was, yeah. you know, <laughs> created by a fan in, in Toronto. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's just a perfect embodiment. And for, you know, people that don't know, your listeners that don't know, I mean, it's just, it was this tweet that this fan came up with about, you know, Mike Trout raises his average to 525 of Otani does something that hasn't been done since tungsten armor Doyle of the 1921 Akron <laughs> groomsmen as the angels lose eight to three to the Detroit Tigers. And that's just the perfect embodiment of this of this team in 2022. It's like, you know, they even Mike Trout yesterday had a massive home run off the catwalk for his 1500th career hit, and the Angels lost 11 to one. You know, it's just like that's just the way this year has been. It's it's um you know, it's unbelievable. They started out the year 27 and 17. You know, I thought that they actually looked like a legitimate playoff contender. Um, they haven't won 27 games since, and they fired Joe Madden. They've you know, they've just been uh, a complete train wreck. I mean, they they don't even put up a fight most nights. It's uh, it's weird. I don't know how to explain it. I just think that they haven't, you know, you look at the infrastructure of this team, it, it's based on stars. It's not based on developing minor leaguers. It's not based on treating those minor leaguers well. It's not based on, you know, paying the requisite amount to build, 
uh, a team around the stars that they have. And and so when you have something like Anthony Rendon getting hurt for the year happens, there's just nothing to replace him. I mean, they tried like four different, you know, guys off the DFA wires, uh, you know, waivers, excuse me, uh, you know, this year. These all failed. It's just they haven't been able, they had no depth in their system. And it's, uh, it just came out this year in a way that I think is, you know, really embarrassed them. Yeah, it's, it is a, we- a great way of putting it. It's a weird dynamic at play because there's about three major storylines playing out and none of them really jive together. So it'll be a really interesting story to watch moving forward. Sam, I want to thank you for doing this today, man. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, we will talk again maybe when this sale is finalized. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you too. Thanks. That's Sam Blum from The Athletic, uh, Angel beat writer here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Do you know? Did you didn't understand the tweet he was talking about? Right. You know what, Mike? Uh, I was focused on PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan's press conference, which is going on Ooh. right now. What do um, we got there? They've got some announcements, and this is obviously in response, although they might not admit it, to Live Golf. Um, they're going to basically give the players more money. Uh, <laughs> is is the is the is the short story there? Okay. Um, there's going to be a guaranteed minimum, quote unquote, salary of five hundred thousand dollars for every PGA Tour member, so the tour would fund any gap in earnings. So basically, if you qualify for the PGA Tour, you're at least going to make five hundred thousand dollars for the top players. Do you remember that PIP thing, the Player Impact Program yeah, that they yeah. had? If you're that really was really popular like, on Instagram. It, yeah, basically, like if you're if you're really popular uh and i can't remember how they determine it it's some weird formula cuteness per 60 ricky fowler won it yes that's right uh the that bonus pool has been extended from 10 to 20 players and from 50 million to 100 million dollars uh i think certain tournaments are getting elevated status what that means probably that they're just worth more money okay uh, but maybe we'll clip some Jay Monahan um, remarks from his press conference today because it was pretty interesting. It's been an interesting story. And, you know, when Phil Mickelson originally made those comments about Saudi Arabia and was like, he's like, yeah, they do a bunch of bad stuff, but maybe this will give us leverage against the PGA Tour. And everyone was very critical of him, and rightly so, because it's kind of like, yeah, that's not really worth the leverage, yeah. you know, like, but, um, he was right. It all worked. Yeah. I was, I was highly skeptical at times that it would because of the initial knee jerk response from the PGA tour and Monaghan, which was more, they didn't necessarily, um, appreciate the threat in the early onset. No, like, they, didn't. They, they weren't willing no. to change anything. It was more about shaming the guys that had left and trying to find punitive, like anything, anything punishment-wise, right? And that that failed really quickly. They didn't think people would be so brazenly greedy. Yeah, and in and in <laughs> droves, right? They really underrated the greed. And then, I mean, people. Yeah, and, well, and the other thing too was the defections didn't stop. Yeah. The 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 one that broke the camel's back had to be Cam Smith, right? Is that he's, fair? He's to not say? officially done yet, right? He's not. He's not but there. I, it's been. It's been reported. But I, but that it feels like that was a tipping point, kinda. Because I think the tipping point had already occurred. To be perfectly honest with okay. you, um, and I think last week's meeting uh, between Tiger Woods um, and some of the best players on the PGA Tour, I'm sure some of the ideas that were discussed 
in that meeting have now been applied to whatever's happening right now, but the response has been pretty quick. Like that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it is funny that at the end of the day, the solution to all of your live golf problems is, well, we'll just give our guys more money. And that's, I mean, ultimately well, is why, why wouldn't that be the solution? The only reason they're going to the live golf tour is money. I know, but that's right. Yeah. But again, I go back to my original statement here. Uh, Originally, this was about honor, prestige, competition and shaming yeah the that ones. didn't work it didn't work yeah and i don't know if this is a good lesson for anybody i don't know if this is and i don't want to make this like a morality clause thing like i'm not dumb like i'd probably be out of here too if they gave us some money i'm in a studio with garbage and <laughs> open there's and, and not just talking about the people right yeah so there's there's, <laughs> there's those. also bags of garbage there's also too. two bags of it here i'm not like our studio right now has two like i don't know why the garbage needs to sit here there's so many other places for the garbage to sit yet it sits in the corner and we're missing not one, but two ceiling panels. There's actually exposed um, insulation here. That's where I sleep at night. Is it? Hey, Not man, like rent's it. expensive. Halford's yeah. like, help us, Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. Can we join Live Golf? Is there some sort of Live Golf tour for mediocre broadcasters at 6.51 in the morning? I don't know. Anyway, that's the other reason that we were talking about the stream. So, by the way, you can watch the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650 if you're looking for some sort of alternative punishment in the morning as opposed to waking up, you can actually watch us physically do this show. We stream the show on Twitter, right, at, at Sportsnet 650. Right. Um, the camera shots, I they're very tight to our body. Like, yeah. You don't get a good sense of the background. There's a reason for that. Uh-huh. Like, There's not a lot going on in the studio that you'd want to We don't catch. want people to see our shame. You remember when Len, the, fr- the front of Lenny's house falls yeah. off? He's like, please don't, don't tell, tell people anyone. how I live. Yeah, that's us. <laughs> yeah. On camera, basically. <laughs> like, we don't want anyone to see anything beyond the wall behind us and maybe a little bit of gray above our heads. They can't see the Owens Corning fiberglass insulation. Is that what it is up there? <laughs> I think it's so, asbestos. Yeah, like, are we breathing this in constantly? <laughs> it's do fine. Need, do we need to talk to HR about this, or at the very least, engineering? Don't I don't talk know. to HR. We'll be gone in a second. That's true. <laughs> That's They're the complaining about the asbestos. Bring somebody yeah. else in. The morning guys are complaining about coughing again. Okay, uh, we got a lot to get into on the program today. Uh, 7 o'clock hour, we're going to talk to Pablo Moore. He is a soccer writer with The Athletic. Uh, he talked to Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds, who is Canadian, uh, about the Welcome to Wrexham documentary series, which airs tonight. If you have FX or City TV Plus, you can watch it tonight, the debut. Uh, it's been a pretty, I'd say, Pretty well documented story in the world of sports. Like a lot. Do of you know how know they've done? Like how the team is done? I don't. Yeah. I kind of. You know what? I, You're granted, our soccer expert. You should know how Wrexham has done. I'll, <laughs> I will explain. I kind of intentionally didn't pay attention, right? Because I, I planned on watching this, and I kind of mm-hmm. wanted it to be something of a not necessarily a surprise, but I don't want to go into watching a documentary where I'm like I know everything. Is it right? going to be overly schmaltzy? Yeah. I mean, I saw the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It There is that element of it, right? Like they, a they lot of really Welsh be- people talking about how important the club is to the town. Right. But it's not just they're fighting for Wrexham FC, Jason. Right. They're fighting for Wrexham itself. Right. You know, the, the, and the, the soul of the, of, of the town. And that made it now, granted, trailers the, are with the guys play. who aren't in the coal mines. Right. There's those guys. There's maybe probably a steel mill. I don't know if there is or not. But <laughs> by the way. Uh, tr- yes. Spoiler warning: uh, Wrexham made it to the FA Trophy final last season and lost to so Bromley. I, I, did I not just say I wasn't trying to know any of those things? 
<laughs> That's spo- why I said it. <laughs> he, he, he told you he was going to spoil back, it before God. he spoiled yeah. it. <laughs> You're really living up to your nickname, the human spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler warning. Here is the ending. Yeah. But um, I'll, I'll watch it for sure. For But you know what I'm talking about is, so Amazon Prime has a bunch of documentary series, and they've done Premier League clubs. Right. right? The, and the one they've got out now is Arsenal from last season. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you watch all these? Uh, no, well, I tried to watch the first episode of one from two years ago, which okay. was when Jose Mourinho was at Tottenham. I couldn't even get through the first episode because I'm like, I know, I know what happens. Right. I know what happens. Yeah. I know how this turns out. I know, you know. And, and you weren't interested in the behind the scenes stuff? A little bit. Right. But not enough to really draw me in. I, here's the thing. If it's going to be a story that I already know, it's going to have to be either the content that is like really exclusive. That's what I miss about those 30 for 30 documentaries when they originally came out. There were all these stories that I didn't know. Or I knew about a little bit. Or like the two Escobars would be the perfect example, right? I was like, yeah, I kind of remember that. Mm -hmm. But then when I saw the entire story and how it related to the history of Columbia, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, more recently, I watched the Manti. I told you I watched a Manti Teo documentary. Yeah. Part of what makes it such a fascinating watch is they got every single person you could think of to talk on camera. Like Teo is obviously the central figure of the thing, and he they have they must have done hours and hours of interviews with the guy. Right. Um, the former uh, Renaya Tuiasasopo mm-hmm. uh, identifies as transgender now, and is uh, Naya. Extensive interview there as well. Uh, a ton of like of high ranking officials at Notre Dame mm-hmm. talking about it. like they got everybody to dive deep into this story. Like you'd think some people would be like, I don't want to participate in this, but it felt like everybody did. And that was where I was like, Oh my god, this I story think sometimes gonna... people just like to have their own version on the record just well, in that's case a big part there's of something it. that is that's... said that they don't agree with, right? That's a big part of it, right? Yeah. Is why why can I not take creative control of this as opposed to letting somebody else do it right mm-hmm. so you, you do the interview and you show up on camera so um in that regard like a lot of these documentaries where it's more than just a look behind the scenes like you really get stuff that you've never seen before uh that's kind of what's compelling about it anyway dom has mentioned we are up against it for time he is correct we got an open segment coming up next on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 so if you want to get a hold of us about anything we can dive into a variety of subjects we've got some stuff that we can get into as well before we turn to Pablo Mar at 7.30, 8 o'clock, Dave Dufour, and then 8.30, what we learns. Uh, we'll get those going at 8.30. Get them in now. Hashtag them. WWL650650 is the Dunbar, text, Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, you are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What's wrong with him, doctor? Well, it seems his lungs are completely filled with Owens Corning fiberglass insulation. What? Will he be okay? No, he won't be okay. One-third of his body weight is Owens Corning fiberglass insulation. Well, that's it. But don't worry. He won't burn in hell, thanks to all that Owens Corning fiberglass insulation.